Hello and welcome back to the Hotcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor for Hot Time and Old Time Ruben Tish. And joining me as always is RJ. RJ, um, the Fire won. The Fire are undefeated after three games. Uh, this is different. Yeah, um, I think since 2014. Um, I believe that's correct. Yeah, so... Uh... I don't know what to say because it's been been almost eight, seven, six, ten years uh, since we uh, experienced this. So from twenty fourteen, I believe that is eight, because twenty twelve yeah. would be ten. So it's been eight years since the fire have been uh, undefeated through their first. Uh, three games and they have not allowed a goal this is the first time in club history that they have not allowed a goal in their first three games uh six halves of football not scored on they scored two goals um just overall what's your feeling because i'm kind of flabbergasted at the moment i i i am having trouble comprehending how i feel which is which is why one of the reasons I had some family issues, but another reason is that I'm finding it very difficult to write about it. It's almost like I've forgotten how to be happy with this team, and and now that I am, I don't know what to do. I'm not happy. I, I'm still I'm still cautious because the fire are going to eventually fire, but. I mean, good for them. Well, we don't know that. I'm going to ask you this because you brought it up. I was going to ask you this at the end of the show, but I guess we'll ask it now. Are the fire good? I think they are a good Eastern Conference team. Overall, for like all of MLS, I think they're above average. Um, that's... Is that fair to say? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still early in the season. Right, but, um, but I mean, like, th- through three games, I, I think this team is good, question mark? Um, I'm still kind of processing it. I've watched the game three times now. And... I still... I... We saw will, we saw a good though. performance on the road, which is something we haven't seen in a long time. Um, and I, like I keep saying, I I'm sort of flabbergasted by the entire experience. Um, I will say though, though, um, it is good to see a winning team on WGN. That's that's nostalgia for me right there. Um, let's let's talk about the game. At just sort of talk about it and maybe we'll see if we can come to any conclusions by the time we're done. Um, first of all, they used the orange ball, which was nice to see. I love a good orange ball game. It's it's something I think, you know how the, the Premier League does the alternate ball? Um, they mandate it from like November to April or something. Um, I think MLS at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season should mandate the orange ball because, A, it's cool, 
Um, and B, the high-vis ball, I think, is... Um, it's a different look, and it, it make I think it makes games more exciting because you can sort of see better on television, at least. I mean, you could sort of say the same thing about the New England RSL game where they played in a blizzard, and, and we will talk about it because I want to laugh at Gustavo Bo for a minute uh, at the end of the show. So we will um, touch on that at the end. But I I think that um. The fire came into this game. I thought it was going to be another scoreless draw because I we hadn't really seen anything um, that told us the fire were going to come out of their goal drought. Um, and DC uh, was without one of their hot young stars because of a red card he got in Cincinnati, and they just barely escaped Cincinnati with a one nothing victory. Uh, on a penalty on the 97th minute, I want to say. Yeah, I don't know. There was a tremendously long amount of, of stoppage time in that game in Cincinnati. And the fire came out, and they played very well defensively. We're kind of getting used to that. Um, at some point, I'm going to stop being amazed that they do that. Uh, and uh, they came out and scored two goals. So... That was nice, I thought. Let's let's talk about the defense for a second. Okay. Um, I do want to praise. I mean, it, it, we we've been praising um, you know, Cichos for a while, but Wyatt Omsberg deserves a round of applause. Well, he he had a good game against Orlando, um, arguably the best game of his career, and the week after he topped that with his performance. Um, against uh, DC, it was legitimately his best performance ever, uh, let alone in a fire shirt. And uh, I gave Man of the Match on the website to Stanislav Ivanov because he scored the first goal of the year. Um, but Rafael Shikos won the poll at 49%, and Wyatt Olmsberg got a couple of votes as well. People are really high on this, you know, center-back defense, and, and I can't exactly blame them. You know, I, I've said this on Twitter, and um, Olmsberg has, you know, the heart and passion of Elliot Collier, but he has the skills of Maldini. I, I know that's going to come and bite me eventually. I mean, but... that's very hyperbolic. I wouldn't say Maldini. <laughs> I stand by it. Well, I, I, the interesting thing is he's talked in interviews and stuff about how it's not just Chicos, it's uh, CJ Brown, you know, being an assistant. And we talked about how actually big uh, a pickup it was for the Fire to get CJ Brown on their coaching staff. Um, and, you know, through three games. According to Wyatt Olmsberg and Shihas and, and, you know, the other defenders, him being there is paying off in ways that I personally didn't think would be so exponential. It's a completely different defense with a completely different mentality. Um, and everybody's giving credit to CJ Brown for that. Yeah, they... they um. 
they did really well with the um, with the staff. So yeah, I'm very impressed. I, I I think last season, or I mean, not even last season. Um, for a long while now, I don't think the fire had anyone to you know that defense mindset and the coaching staff. As far as I remember, well, their coaching staff also has been pretty bad as well. Yeah. Like not just like beyond the head coach, like the assistants um, haven't you you know. And, and this is all hindsight from me, by the way. Is that you know in hindsight, it seems like the assistant coaches and and the lack of like real quality assistant coaches aside from their goalkeeper coach um has been a bigger problem than i think a lot of us realized and you can see that with you know um cj brown there and presumably you know you you've also got patrick niako there who you can tell has had um some amount of influence on, on guys like Stanislav Ivanov um, and John Duran. Uh, even though he's not really, you know, listed as a coach with the first team, you got to assume that he's, you know, watching and, and you know, if open to guys coming to him for advice. Um, and, and it's just a completely different mentality from the team out there. They also... They also all seem to like each other and, and support each other in ways that we haven't really seen since the 2017 team, which does make me think that um, this is going to be a successful season in, in a lot of ways, is that they, they just genuinely seem to enjoy playing uh, out there with each other. I'm... You know that twenty seventeen that twenty seventeen team was great and all, but I I wouldn't call them close in hindsight. I mean, you can see what happened in the preceding years, so something must have happened. Well, but sort of what happened was um, MLS sort of figured out Velka Panovic, and, and they also he, failed, he, figured he, out Nikolic as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and Nikolic and. and you know, neither really were able to figure that out. Although, I will say in defense of Nemanja Nikolic, he did score double-digit goals every year he was in the league. Yeah, I mean, like like what we've said in past episodes, I mean, when we're comparing him with Beric, I mean, at least Nikolic will eventually find the back of the ball. Right. Yeah, it might take him three or four times, but if he got enough chances, he was going to put one of them away at least. Um, Speaking of putting chances away... Stanislav Ivanov got himself a goal, finally, after creating a couple of chances against Miami and, and not really doing a whole lot against Orlando. Um, let's, let's talk about the goal. What did you think of the passage of play and the buildup? And, and did the deflection make it easier? Because I, I personally think that if that ball deflected or not, that ball was going in the back of the net. 100% of the time anyway. Um, but but what did you think of the goal? What did you think of, you know, every, the 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 build up, the play? 
basically offensively, how do you think the team did? You know, and 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 what are your takeaways from the match? So the the build up to that goal was beautiful. I think it for me it was actually the highlight more. So, I mean, more so than the goal itself. I'm not you know taking away for any credit from you know Ivanov's goal, but. You know, that, that pass from Herbers to Shakiri to finally to Ivanov, that was just sublime. Um, I mean, the goals were going to come eventually. Uh, Ivanov was in the right place at the right time. You know, whether that deflection or not, like you said, that, that ball was going to go in the back of the net. But it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful football. Yeah. They've been doing that, and, you know, it looks like Shakiri's sort of getting into the game. I'm sort of eating crow a little bit um today because you know i i keep i i feel bad that i keep advocating for fabian herbers to start the games on the bench when he's obviously a productive member of the of the squad you know when he's out there he he's productive um and I keep having to say this because it keeps being true. Me wanting him benched is not an indictment on him as a player. I I think if the Fire's problems were different problems, I'd want him out there. I do think that, you know, the tactics do need shuffling around a bit and... I, I mean, I, I'd say play Herbers, you know, up until, I guess, halfway through the second half. But, because um, DC, I mean, the, the Fire could have had more goals. Because mm-hmm. DC's right flank was weak, and that's perfect for someone like Shakiri. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said this, you know, last episode, find a way, or they need to find a way to have Shakiri on the right. I mean, yeah, it's fine that he's on the ton, but, you know... Herbert's can fill that 10 role. I mean, it's not going to be pretty, but he's productive enough to do that. Yeah, but I really don't want to see it. I think Shakiri in the middle. Shakiri in the middle is starting to work out well. I think he's starting to get the hang of it. Um, it's clear he's starting to figure out the run timings. There were a couple of times where Shabilka was offside by like half an arm. Um, like an arm's length, and, you know, the pass could have come a little earlier. There wasn't opportunities there for the ball to come in earlier. Um, but I think, you know, as, as, as we get along, uh, it's going to be hard, or it's not, it's, it's going to come, it's going to come, and, and the attacks are going to be better. Um, because he finally, you know, they're they're getting that timing down with each other. We actually saw it on the um, on on the goal with Ivanov, where uh, the pass was timed perfectly uh, from Shakiri to get the ball to Ivanov in space uh, with no one around him and with Ivanov still on side. So. Um, that stuff's coming, and I think I I think while it's better for Shakiri and probably more comfortable for Shakiri to be 
on the wing, um, it's better for the club to have Shakiri in the middle. And, and something else I noticed during the game, actually, was when the fire had the ball uh, on the, in the midfield, um, Shakiri would sometimes push up, and it almost looked like the fire were playing in a four-four-two. Um, because there, there were times when Shakiri was playing next to Shabilka, which I thought was pretty interesting, and it actually worked out pretty well. I don't know if that was a team, a matchup-specific thing, because Ezra, um, in his midweek press conference, was saying that. You know, they were looking at the tape and they saw some ways that they could exploit DC United. And I wonder if sort of, you know, pushing everybody forward and playing, you know, basically a 4-4-2 at times during the game wasn't one of those things. I don't know if they'll do that again this upcoming weekend against Kansas City. That's, that's probably something to watch. But I thought, you know, maybe that's what you do with Shakiri. He's a number 10, but maybe, you know, sometimes he, he plays that second striker role and you've got, you know, your two central midfielders, you know, playing in a 4-4-2 in a, in a and trying to win games that way. That was something I did not expect, and uh, it was interesting to see. I think it's going to be on a team-by-team basis, so... Yeah, I think so too. DC does pull their wingers up high, which makes putting the extra um, striker up there uh, against the back three a bit more taxing because then you have to defend 3v2 and and if there's a switch or whatever, you're leaving a a player in a 1v1 situation, which is sort of what happened on the second goal with Jonathan Bornstein where uh, the fire had, you know, um, two... Three players, actually, with Gaston Jimenez up there uh, with the three center backs allowing sort of Jonathan Bornstein to cut inside and, and sneak through into the space um, for the second goal. Um, I thought that was a, a genius bit of play there. And, and, you know, recognizing that that's sort of how it had to be on a counterattack, um, playing that fast, thinking that fast especially, is, is something that past fire teams have not done and uh, and it's like this fire team i think thinks a lot faster than previous teams which shows how well the coaching staff is at getting across how they want to play so they don't have to think about how they want to play they just have to go out there and do it i mean well there, there, there's a lot of pacey guys on these teams. I mean, previous teams, they, the majority of them look lethargic, you know, 90% of the time. So, it's a faster, younger team. Yeah, uh, I would agree. E- even um, more. Uh, well, I, I, mean, I don't think they're faster. I mean, they still have problems stretching defenses up over the top, which... So, but... But their brains are faster. If not their, you know, legs... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird to see. I'm just, I'm like having, and and it's it's bad on our part because you know we're we have to tell it how it is. But it's it's just been so long that 
we've seen a competent fire team, you know, and ignoring 2017, I mean, when was the last time this happened? Like 2014 earlier? I mean, earlier 2012. Yeah. 2012. I, I was just, you know, going to community college. I mean, I just graduated high school. So the 2010 team was competent. They were just too old and to be able to do anything. Yeah. Like that like the was it Brian McBride, Freddie Youngberg? Like that that team was just way too old to be able to play the kind of soccer they needed to play. Um and you know, it's it's you you look back on it and be like the Colorado Rapids won the twenty ten MLS Cup without putting a shot on goal. Right, so like, if that fire team could have done something, anything with the if you know with the guys they had, um, you know, it's just it's just sad. But back to this team, um, we talked about effort, we talked about brains, which means we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, that, of course, being one, Gaston Jimenez designated player I've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of stuff to say so I'm going to let you go first because I have a very complicated relationship with this player he played well apart you know from I mean uh, mishaps I mean uh, I think he should have been subbed out. I mean, Gaston looked gassed towards like the 65th, 70th minute. Um, but even in that second half, he he played really, really well. And he like, and then he he went over that. Um, he went over that phase, and he became a top player again towards the last few minutes. Yeah, he got the assist on the Bornstein goal. I I don't think they score that without that flick on. Because him going up for it and trying to play that ball drew a defender in, uh, which let Bornstein have some space to shoot. But, you know, the Gaston also made a lot of, you know, silly mistakes. He, like, did, um, he did not. He, make... he, he loses the ball a lot. Well, the thing about that is he loses the ball a lot because he has the ball a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but you know, you have a uh, you have other players out there, you know, getting that ball back for him for for him to screw it up. But other than that, I mean, he's he's fine. I mean, I'm not ready to eat crow yet. So, well, I spent. Well, here's my thing. Um, he's an extremely frustrating player because he. He's really good until he's not. Um, he'll he'll shut off and and like you know Ezra Hedrickson said during the broadcast that um, he had to go back and talk about effort with the team. Um, 
at halftime and talk about giving, you know, better effort. And, like, we know he was talking about Gaston Jimenez. We've all, we, we've seen the, the, the little cut, you know, last week on the goal that was disallowed, this week on the, um, the play where he just sort of stands there and, and goes around. And he had another one where he just ends up as a traffic cone and doesn't even try defensively when someone dribbles around him. It's it's maddening when he does that because he's a designated player. He's supposed to be the guy in the locker room setting the tone for everybody else. And he's not. Because he's... He he sometimes goes through moments where he just says, "I'm sorry for the language, but there's really no other way to do it." He just says, "Fuck it, I'm not, I don't care," for ten to fifteen seconds, and those ten to fifteen seconds have not turned into disaster yet. But they could very easily, with a worse defense turn into disaster and if you're a designated player the manager shouldn't have to come to you and say hey give a better effort and that that has to happen is a huge problem and you know those 10 to 15 seconds of you know if 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 a lapse mindset, that's gonna come off the fire eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, especially against a stronger Western Conference team, that's gonna come and bite the fire. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, but he's too good to not play, right? Like his good moments are fantastic. Um, he was in like a one v three. And he just spun out of it with the ball and and kept possession. He when 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 Gaston Jimenez is trying, he is arguably the best player on the team. But that's the problem is he doesn't try a hundred percent of the time. He doesn't give his 100% 100% of the time. And I'm just waiting for it to go bad. Well, um, but I I even think that even when he's at 100%, he's not the best player on the team. Well, I mean, not including Rafael Chicos or Gargas Lanina. I mean, you know, you're six attackers. He's the best player of the six when he is playing 100%. I don't know. I mean, I disagree. Okay. Um, who's better? Who's better out of those six? Yeah, out of like the six players. Like, obviously, like, Sheridan Shakiri. Well, Shakiri's not I, there I, yet. Ignoring Shakiri. You know, ignoring, you know, um, Shabilko, 
No, I'm not going to because oh. they're not playing at that level yet. When when like like when when Shakiri and Shabilko are playing at that high level, I think they're better than Gaston Jimenez is. But like through the first three games, they're not playing at that level. Uh, and I, when, when, I, I I would say Herbers is a better player than Gaston, and that's just because of Herbers' versatility. Well, I mean Herbers Herbers gets a lot of his ability through hard work, which is the point. Like, if Gaston Jimenez worked as hard as Fabian Herbers does, Gaston Jimenez would be arguably one of the best players in the league. He'd be one of the best number eights in the league. But he doesn't play that hard all the time. And that's that's the problem. I'd say even at a full 100% because... He just, like, Herbers just does stuff that, you know, Gaston wouldn't dare to. Like, right, but, but, it's, like, but it's within Gaston's ability to do those things. I guess, but I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess my point is that when he wants to... He is a designated player level talent. But he doesn't want to sometimes. And like you you can't play him except you have to play him. I think the other thing is he was so much better when um, Frederico Navarro came in the game because Frederico Navarro... Um, is is a lot more comfortable, you know, being that destroyer number six who breaks up plays and, and you know, does all that sort of stuff. Where Mauricio Pineda, his game is a lot more finesse and honestly is a lot like Gaston Jimenez's. I think part of the problem is... Pineda and Jimenez are way too similar in skill set, in my opinion. Um, I think Pineda is a 6-8 hybrid. I think Jimenez is an 8. And I think um, Fade is a 6. So, and, and obviously Fade is still coming back from injury. I don't know, even know if he'll be ready to start. Um, against Kansas City. If he does, I expect Mauricio Pineda to be on the bench. Um, but, like, like Jimenez and um, Fade work better than Jimenez and Pineda do, and I expect Fade and Pineda to work better than Pineda and Jimenez do as as well. I just, I just think it's suboptimal to have them playing together. Yeah. So I don't know. Guest on Jimenez frustrates me, I, I, and I'm worried he's going to be the new Francisco Calvo on the show, and I really don't want him to because I think, I think Jimenez could be so much better. You know, I'll defend. Um, I'll, I'll defend him right now. I mean, even at his worst, it's not as bad as Calvo. Well, I, I, I actually. 
I, I agree and I disagree. I think it's better for him because specifically it is easier to recover from mistakes in midfield than it is mistakes on defense. And because the fires back four is so good, it sort of mitigates um, the trouble, for lack of a better term, uh, that Jimenez gives you. Because there's an extra layer of relief there that there isn't when Francisco Calvo uh, does something stupid. So, like, Jimenez can get away with something stupid where Calvo couldn't because Calvo is a defender and Jimenez is a midfielder. So, just, like, where these mistakes happen on the pitch. Um, like, like on the um, on the play we're talking about where Jimenez just lets it go, uh, the fire make a defensive play and everything's fine. Yeah, um, but I don't know. That's we'll talk about something I else. Mean, that is also correct. I don't know. Um, let's, let's talk about something else. Well, I, I just want to point out that I am going to continue to praise Gaston Jimenez during the week and crap all over him on game days because that's basically how it is. He's a great player who is infuriating to, or great he's probably too strong he's a very good player who is infuriating to watch um, so that's sort of my final stance on guest on Jimenez aside from the fact that he does have an assist um, so let's talk about let's talk about Ezra Hendrickson and how he managed the game um, compared to the other managers because one of the things we were talking about uh, as a community on Twitter during the game was the fact that the Fires scored a goal and he didn't turtle up. He made um, like one quote-unquote defensive substitution in bringing in Jonathan Bornstein, but then Jonathan Bornstein plays like a traditional winger and scores a goal. So you can't really call that a, a defensive substitution. They didn't turtle. They kept consistently playing. You know, uh, they didn't park the bus. They kept playing, and that's not something you'd see from other teams. I thought his substitutions were good. I thought bringing in Gutierrez when he did was correct. Um, bringing in Fade when he brought in Fade was correct, and obviously the Bornstein substitution looks like genius because he scored the second goal. Uh, what did you make of Ezra Hendrickson's performance and, and compare it to... Um, what we would see out of, you know, um, coaches for the fire in the past. I think so far his substitutions, I mean, I'm going to rank him on the substitutions because that was my biggest gripe last season, especially, you know, with a certain FK. But um, it's been spot on. I mean, he, he does have, you know, the knowledge of you know his backroom staff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's just doing everything right. I mean, I, I did question um, earlier that uh, Gaston 
should have been, you know, subbed out earlier since, you know. He should have been subbed off at halftime, except that he played really well in the second half. Yeah, and, you know, you can't, you know, you can't keep having that Dr., you know, that's right in Dr. Jekyll performance. So, I think he needs to work out something with Gus Stone. And I think everything will be perfect from his, from, you know, Ezra's hand. But, um, overall, you know, his tactics, his man management, substitution, you know, I know it's only three games in, but A+. plus. Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, I think I think he's the best manager the Fire have had in a long time. Um, and this is just all so weird. I mean, I, I mean, you know, jokes aside, I really do have notes, you know, for the podcast. But I was just, you know, just it's flabbergasting just to see a competent Fire team. And I just have to rework my brain, you know, you know, while watching them. I mean, I don't have to worry about the defense now. I mean, yeah, for the offense, you know. By the way, we should bring up we, sh- but... we should bring up that Wyatt Elmsberg made the MLS team of the week, and Gagas Lenina made the bench. That should be mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's I. It's just so surprising. I mean, that that's just going to become a more frequent thing, and we just have to get used to it. And this is a good thing that you know we're, we're stumped that we don't have any proper words for this because it's a team that's actually changing. But you know, I, I'm still remaining, you know, cautious because eventually, you know, the fire will fire. But at least, you know, they'll fight their way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of notes. It, it was not brought up, but uh, it looked like Gagas Lonina did get hurt. Um, he rolled his ankle uh, midway through the second half and sort of gutsed it out. We don't know if he's available or not. Um, we'll see what happens there later on uh, in the week. Um, that's my biggest concern coming out of the game is, is Gaga's health. Honestly, um, I hope he's okay. Uh, I hope he's good enough to play on the weekend, and I hope he's healthy enough to be the goalkeeper in two weeks at the Estadio Azteca uh, because the U.S. men's national team is in a goalkeeper crisis at the moment. So um, I hope for Slanina's sake that he's healthy. Uh, that will be nice. Um, so... That's that. What do we think about Kansas City uh, um, in the upcoming game? I did not watch Kansas City's game this week. So I've I've been scouting Kansas City a bit. I've always do. I have um, for some reason I have a soft spot for them. I think it's because of Football Manager. Um, Dude, in Football Manager, Western... I always, um, I always pick a fight with Peter Vermees. Football manager? Yeah, and football manager. I just always pick fights with Peter Vermees. Yeah, that's funny. Um, they uh, they have some injuries. Um, and their their new uh, their new striker uh, Nikola uh, Vujnovic. Um, not still Robert, settling. Not huh? Robert Barrage. Yeah, not Robert Barrage. I I think he's 
working in a cafe somewhere in Logan Square, but um, but yeah, their 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 new striker Nikola um, hasn't settled in yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they they still do find ways to score a goal. I mean, they lost or some goals, but they they did lose against you know Colorado, which in their defense, I think Colorado they, they, good. They always. They always perform bad against Colorado, but I think so. I think Colorado is good. Yeah, um, so. but this is a team where the Fire, you know, could win against. It's not going to be pretty mm-hmm. because Sporting Kansas City, you know, despite their problems right now, is still Sporting Kansas City. They're they're a good team regardless of what happens. Sure, you know? they're they're well coached at least. You yeah, can say I that. mean, like. Peter Vermez can, you know, make a bum into, like, a superstar. Like, I, I, I bet you if Robert Barrich was there, Robert Barrich, you know, would have been good. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. But, and no, I think I think you'll see, you know, Barrich, you know, perform at a better outright than he did in the last season of Fire. But, anyway, what I'm trying to say... Well, is, he didn't sign a contract there. That was the whole thing, is that they yeah. acquired his rights... Uh, I think in the re-entry draft, and Robert Barrich was just like, nope, I'm noping right out of MLS. Oh, so yeah, I, I mean, the, the Fires game against DC United, that was a proper, you know, good old-fashioned MLS match, but this game against Sporting Kansas City, I think that's the real test. Yeah, and it, it's at home, right? So it should yeah. be a little easier of a I test. I think that's everything. Than going on the road the show against today. Uh, DC United. Uh, unless you had some stuff um, in your notebook. That you want um, to go over? Yeah, I, I'm. Well, it's just worldwide soccer thing. I, I'm surprised Liga MX is still going on, especially what happened. Or... Yeah, I I've been reading stuff about what happened. If you're unfamiliar, what we're talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago during a Liga MX game between um, uh, Kretorau and was it Atlas? Yeah. Fire connection, Haro Torres. Yeah. Uh, there was a crowd riot, and like, I, I don't know what the actual fatality number is, if there was one. I know there were some reports of, I've heard reports of nobody, but obviously they have to say that because for liability reasons, you say people died on the way to the hospital instead of died in the stadium because there's legal things you know with that but like i didn't want to bring it up because i don't want to talk out of school about it but yeah uh, i can't say the fact that they're playing this week that they didn't take a week off to let everything cool down and 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 go through the process or whatever um shocked me but it also didn't shock me because you know as you know FIFA tried to do until the public pressure got them, got to them. Uh, the football machine just keeps going. So it really doesn't surprise me all that much that they played this weekend. I think, I don't know. They're, FIFA just needs to be, or, you know, the the governing bodies in general just needs to be constant with, with their punishments. Mm-hmm. I agree um, with you. I... Um, I don't want to go what's happening on in the world, but, you know, a lot more teams should be banned from the World Cup. 
including, I'm not, including I'm not trying to compare, you including know, including ours probably. Yeah, and I'm not trying to compare, you know, um, uh, you know what's what's going on in Eastern Europe to what happened in the stands in Mexico, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, but but I mean, if, like, I see that, and I, I kind of agree. I think it's a different issue than the homophobic chant, which, by the way, don't do that on Saturday like you did again in the home opener. Please, I am begging you, no homophobic goalkeeper chants on Saturday against Sporting Kansas City. Um, they're sort of two different things, but they're both fans behaving badly. Um, I'm sort of surprised that FIFA has not taken hosting duties because it's really just, you know, I think it's just the Azteca gets and uh, the stadium in Guadalajara get games. I think it's just those two stadiums in Mexico. It would be so easy to take them out of hosting duties for 2026 um, and make them go through qualifying. Um, but that's, I guess, not something they're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really all I'm going to say on the matter. I don't know enough about the situation or the history of the situation to, to really say much more than that. Um, yeah, um, but... I don't know. There just needs to be more accountability, and we're we're never going to see. I I don't think we'll ever see that. I agree with you. We're never going to see it anyway. Um, that is it for is it? Uh, let me think. No. Uh, predictions. We got to do a prediction about Fire Kansas City. What are you thinking? I'm going to say one nil to the Fire. Say two one to the fire. I think the fire will finally break their streak of no goals allowed. We will see about that. Maybe a Spencer Ritchie or Chris Brody in the net. That's probably true. Yeah. But as long as Gaga is in the net, then they have a chance at a clean sheet. Um. Yeah. So that will do it for this week's episode of the Hotcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Hotcast. You can find me on Twitter at Rubentis. You can find RJ on Twitter at rga underscore zero two you can listen to the show on itunes the google podcast app or any other fine podcasting uh listener ship choice well, which by the way i looked up uh since i think apple podcast is the only one that has a rating we are we are rated 4.7 stars oh nice on reviews how many votes? And or how many? Uh, seven. Um, and well, hey. the, the two the two written reviews is someone from Minnesota and the other ones from New England, in the New England area. So are they bad? Um, no, they're good reviews. I'm so. confused, but happy and confused. Yeah, you keep up with that because I don't have any Apple devices. So keeping up. I just with, looked it up on Keeping Google, up with so. keeping up with Apple Analytics. Is, a pain and I don't like looking at the analytics anyway I just I'd feel like I'd get depressed looking at the analytics and it's like I'm just gonna keep on doing what I'm doing and keep but, but improving yeah, so, and keep 
keep on going. Uh, I, I guess we can shout them out. Um, Minnesota Kicks fan and Forever Revolution. Just guess, gonna, thank they, you for listening to our podcast. Yeah. No, no. I'm not even. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's, it's, thank it's you. Not, I mean, thank you. So It's just a little surprising that. I'll send you a screen cap of this. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, we're uh, going to go, I guess, rate review. How about some reviews from sh- some uh, Chicago fans on Apple? So I feel a little less weird about it, uh, even though it's, it's really cool that we've got non-fire listeners to the podcast. So that's pretty nice. Um, so that's that. Anyway, we're going to get on out of here. Fire Kansas City on Saturday podcast. We record Monday night. Goes up Tuesday afternoon. Uh, We will see you next week for another podcast. Have a good rest of the week.